Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Realize how good they, you do come to realize how good they are. They really over the are. the course of the game. It's pretty ridiculous. They, especially when you're thinking about 98 mile an hour pitches. And yeah, and it looks, I think it kind of goes away after a while. Once you get used to it, it becomes sure. less and less distracting. But... I don't notice going to a game, you know, missing it, right? Missing it, yeah. you know, like you do with the yellow line. You go to watch a football game at, yeah. at Lambeau Field, you have no idea where the first down is because that yellow line isn't there. Well, put and the yellow line on the field. How come it's not out on the field? Our, our buddy Johnny Vegas, who uh, he still loves the Miami Dolphins. I don't know why. Him and Bobby Brainerd and a handful of others. I, I, he's always saying that his cor- his team's defensive backs are always tripping over the yellow line. <laughs> And that's why they have problems. Oh, technology and sports. Speaking of technology, it's through the magic of technology that we get to catch up with our buddy Mike Heller from the Mike Heller Show. We know that guy. Hello, Mike. Hi, Drew. Hi, KB. Uh, hey, Mike. We're Hi, in the Armin. green zone. Hey, Mike. The green. What's the green, the green zone? zone? What do you green mean? Green zone. Huh? That's that's NBC's innovation. NBC has the green oh, zone yeah, now on right. third down. We're going to show Do you. Do they have the, their own channel? The whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Do they have the green zone channel now? Is they it should. NFL green zone, red zone? They should. What's the yellow zone then? The yellow line, the green zone, and the red zone. Yeah. Have they debuted TV. these in exhibition games that I haven't watched yet? They did last, last night. The, okay. The yeah. See another game I didn't watch. Down, on third down, between the line of scrimmage and the yellow line for a first down, it becomes a darker green oh, the grass to show you. And it's like, oh, what a technical, uh, what what a marvel. Like, it was totally unnecessary and stupid. Okay, because we know because the yellow and, line's there. And they've been getting barbecued for Okay, it. you know what my options were last night to watch some of that? I don't even know who played. I, I think I did know. Looked it was at Arizona and, said, and Dallas. Okay, right? I'm not going to watch that. Yeah. And then uh, the other, uh, the game night on one of the networks, is it ABC that, that just does uh, game shows all night on Sunday nights? Yeah, yeah okay. Up. And then you know what I watched, Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, the uh, the documentary on PBS. Oh, I heard that's amazing. Oh, that it good? was fantastic. I've it was fantastic. Great. And I watch uh, that. It's um, it, it, my uh, Kari and I sat and watched it. Kari's, I mean, it's brought her to tears a few times, bringing her back to being a, a, a kid again. Um, you know, it was fantastic. I had no intention of watching it. I hit the guide button on my TV, and I saw the, the Sunday night football game. I saw the game night on ABC. I didn't care about the Major League Baseball game. So I found that, and I said, you know, I'm, we're going to watch that. And we did, and it was fantastic. You're, you're lucky you didn't watch Arizona Dallas. It was 27 to three at one point. Dallas had like seven turnovers, and that would have brought a tear to your eye. Well, too. it wasn't five nothing. There was, was a five nothing game last week, wasn't there? That's true. It wasn't oh. five nothing. Oh man. Well, we're getting close to meaningful football, Mike. I mean, is the countdown on Friday night Badgers? I know you're ready. Yeah, Friday night. I'm I'm ready. And the other thing, you've got to the NFL has to see this for what it is, and this needs to be the last year of four exhibition games. Just I'm, make I'm it happen. You. Make it two and let's go. Nobody wants to play. Nobody. Yeah. They don't want to play and nobody wants to watch it. Yeah, get rid of it. And it's all about worrying about injuries and stuff, too. Right. Uh, all right, Mikey, we'll be listening. Thank you for joining us. We will uh, listen to the Mike Keller Show. All right, boys. As we move forward. KB, uh, go home with your basement. Do you want to try to stop up? Dry-
They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our color show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. the one week before we get into the second weekend of September. This is the one week that college football takes front and center with no opposition from the National Football League. And I do understand that there are NFL games on Thursday. College football teed off a little bit over the weekend, but a full weekend coming up. So this is that week. And maybe the NFL is absolutely fine with that. But this ought to be the last year that that happens. This ought to be the last year that we get a situation that you are playing a fourth absolutely terribly meaningless game in the National Football League exhibition season while college football tees it up. There are simple answers. I mean, there, there are more dramatic, drastic, simple answers. But in the short term, Just find a way to shorten the exhibition season to three games. Ultimately, you ought to be at two. And when it's at two, then you could also have controlled scrimmages to get the repetitions that you need for those players that you have to decide whether they're on your roster or not in controlled scrimmages that you can't open to the public, but don't do it on Thursday night. Don't do it on on a TV audience. Just let's just be done with this. Does anybody, did anybody flip and watch last night's game between Arizona and Dallas? Did anybody watch at length the third and fourth quarters, well, I know you did, of the Packers and Raiders on Friday night? These are just the, the elements of the NFL where I think they, they're a little bit narrow-focused in the idea that they aren't in touch with the fan base that is now totally checked out on the exhibition games. Totally. I mean, the coaches are. The coaches are checked out in this way. None of the main guys are going to play at all this week. So what are we doing? Selling it off as a real game. Just be done with it. And I get it. I understand that if you go from four to three, then week three of the exhibition season is going to be the same as what week four is now. Okay, it's one less that we have to put up with as a ticket-buying public, as the consumer of the product. It's one less that you kind of sort of have to pay for. That you don't have, let's get on to it. So uh, I've got a little bit of that going on today, and we welcome you aboard. I'm Mike Heller. To my left, he would be to your right if you're looking at your radio. That's John Audius. Hey, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? Where have you been? Where were you? Uh, what, like today? I've been here. No, no, no. I mean, Friday you were suspended for conduct detrimental to the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I might have been in Minneapolis. Minnesota, getting ready for the Big Ten ACC Challenge in volleyball. I was also suspended on Friday's show. Oh, so we're not our, here Friday. Our thank you to Bob Brainerd. Oh, for that's filling in. right. Yeah. Bobby B. Bobby B. Took Call care of Bobby everything B, yeah. uh, on Friday. So, hey, we finally get to a game week. It's just not an NFL game week. It's college football game week, and Wisconsin is home against Western Kentucky on Friday night. That is an eight o'clock kick at Camp Randall Stadium. So we we kind of get it fired up now, and 
Today is the last non-Thursday off day for the Milwaukee Brewers the rest of the season. All right, so they play this Thursday. They're just not playing today. The Brewers have 10 three-game series remaining, 10 of them. Three against each team, no four-game series, no two-game series, 10 three-game series remaining. 15 of those games are at home. 15 are on the road. Six are against the Pirates. Six are against the Reds. Six are against the Cubs. I think six, three against the Cardinals. So you've got 18 against those three. You also mix in a Washington Nationals and a Detroit Tigers. So are you ready? And and I've got math for you that should make you feel, okay, I, I see what you're doing there. Oh, Brewer's math. This is the only time of the year Mike actually likes to look and predict wins and losses. No. For any sport. What are you talking about? I'm just saying, usually like when schedules come out, you're like, I don't want to look at that. But this one's like, you know, the season's been going on for like a few months. So this is this is the type of math you love to do, right? No, I have no idea. Aren't what, you doing what, Brewer's math down the stretch of what you think they're going to do? Yeah, but I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm but just, you love it this time of year, I'm right? just giving people concepts. Yeah. I'm not predicting. Oh, you're not? Oh, I thought you were predicting. No, no, no. That's you that does that. I thought you were going to predict. Well, they're going to lose on Tuesday, and then uh, they'll probably win. Or they'll probably lose Wednesday because it's a day game. You know, that's you. Play on Sunday. Yeah. Statistically speaking. Well, they've won the last two Sundays. Well. So, buck all those odds. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, man, we've got this is fun now. This is fun. We get, we get football. And, you know, the crappy thing about this, we get Badger football, and we get to see them. Not against a great opponent, against Western Kentucky. But we do get to see it. The The crappy thing is that you really have two full weeks until the Packers play. It's, you know, 13 nights from now that they open the season. You really didn't watch them play against Oakland. I mean, maybe you watched. I'm just saying you didn't see a whole lot of starters. So you didn't watch them play against Oakland. There, there were some fun things. Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson... There's some fun stuff going on. Jamon Moore had some moments. But what are you watching for Thursday? Really? I mean, it, it truly is like it's a bye week that they don't play, and there's nothing else to watch either. I mean, there is college football and Major League Baseball. But the NFL essentially takes this as a, um, what do they call that week before final exams? Is it dead week? And college campuses um, sure, where they just don't have classes or whatever. This is a dead week for the NFL. And for a lot of people, and I don't mean this, I'm sorry for the wordplay, but it's also a dead week because of the roster cutdowns. So, I mean, that's, that's, a bad, that's a bad day coming up this weekend for a lot of players in the NFL. But just nothing going on where the NFL is concerned that really means anything. So, John, if you're ready, you can push buttons, move buses. This is the Big Three at Three. The top three trending sports stories this hour. Number three. All right. Um, number three in our Big Three at Three. So Tiger was asked about Trump. Did you see this? Did you hear this? Yeah, I did. Do you want to go there? Yeah, let's, uh, I, don't, I don't love going there, but let's do it anyway. All right. So he was asked uh, a few questions today about Donald Trump, and it's making some headlines here. I'll let you listen to it. First question, how would you describe your relationship with Trump. Here's what Tiger had to say, and a reporter kept pushing. Well, I've known Donald for a number of years. You know, we've, we've played the golf together, um, and, you know, we've had, had dinner together. And so, yeah, that's, um, I've known him, you know, pre-presidency and obviously during his uh, presidency. 
at a time, especially in 2018, I think a lot of people, especially people of color, immigrants feel threatened by him, by his policies. Um, he's thrown himself into sports debates in terms of race with LeBron James, with the anthem. Um, what do you say to people who might find it interesting to have, I guess, a friendly relationship with him? Well, he's, our, he's the President of the United States, and you have to respect the, the, the office. And no matter who's in the office, um, you may like, dislike um, the personality or the, the politics, uh, but we all must respect the office. Do you have anything more broadly to say about the state, I guess, the discourse of race relations? Um, no, I just finished 72 holes and really hungry. Thank you. So that's a, a little bit on Tiger. Now, there's some, there is not overwhelming criticism, but there is, in general terms, there's, there was criticism of Michael Jordan staying out of politics. There is criticism of Tiger Woods staying out of politics. And there is a belief of tacit approval of Tiger, um, you know, just kind of in the head nod towards uh, this president, which a, a lot of people just simply don't like. Whereas LeBron James is... Um, is uh, celebrated when he speaks out strongly against the president. So that's the only thing I would say about it. Is it, it, I, I loved how Ernie Johnson handled the night that uh, that President Trump was elected into the office, because we got Charles Barkley speaking strongly, negatively against, and and the set was pretty much in that vein. And Ernie said that it is his goal to always pray for the office of the president. And he will pray for President Trump because he is the leader of, of the country. That's essentially what Tiger Woods did. And yet he'll take some criticism. And, you know, Tiger, there's a lot of thick skin there for the criticism he's taken over the last number of years that he brought on himself. But in this case, this isn't criticism he deserves or earns. He has stayed out of the politics side of it. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with athletes doing that. They don't all have to stand up and take on causes. I was just going to say that. Like, I'm I'm cool if you don't want to speak out on it. That's, hey, guess what? That's your choice. And I felt like that reporter. Looking. Looking. Looking for a story. And no matter what the response was, they have a story, right? If he calls out Trump, boom, story. If he doesn't say anything, boom, story. So That's just, why reporters will ask whether it's Tiger or LeBron or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. They ask those questions on occasion because whatever response they get is a story. Yeah, it's a story. So I, I felt like this was just a moment in sports where someone just wanted the Tiger angle. Uh, we haven't gotten the Tiger angle yet. Let's go get the Tiger angle. He's playing well. I don't always agree with Clay Travis. In fact, I very seldom do. But he said, you know, the way Tiger ended that conversation, he said that's a perfect synopsis of the media trying to drag sports figures into politics. Yeah. Some sports figures want nothing to do with politics. And guess what? That is okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of where I fall. I think it's okay if he doesn't want to talk about it. And I, I did I did enjoy his answer. His answer is just like, yeah, I just played 72 holes. I'm, I'm hungry. Yeah. So he's just kind of, that's his way of saying, I'm, I'm not talking about this. Yeah. And I don't want to. And he is a golfer. He is a golfer. Number two. Number two in our big three of three. Uh, what did I write down? Do you remember? Oh, do you have any ideas of how we can make this preseason better? We were talking about this earlier today on the rundown with Adias Pilch and Finkelman. 307. About how, you know, there are te- that obviously. That show's on uh, weekdays at 11. On the Big Ten 70 in Madison. Yes. Um, or on iHeartRadio. 
I forgot what I was saying. Talking about ways to make the exhibition season better. You were talking about that. Oh, how Aaron Rodgers played just one series and how, what is the Rams aren't playing basically anybody. And I'm just thinking, okay, do the coaches have some, can the coaches force some change of the preseason? Do they have the power to force a change by more of that? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. I'm coming along, you know, around to the idea that why am I playing these guys in these games? The guys that I don't need to play, the stars that the NFL wants for just a few series, if you know, that's usually what they get. So, do the coaches have a, the power to change the preseason? Was kind of my thought process. Well, I think they do, but again, the collective bargaining agreement doesn't come up uh, for negotiation until is it twenty twenty or twenty twenty one? Either way, it's it's two to three years down the road. Um, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars would have a different look at it today with Marquise Lee missing the remainder of the season because of that knee. Uh, injury suffered Saturday night. Doug Marone says, you know, that that's it. He's on the IR now, and th- that's the end of that season. Um, now, that can happen in week one, too. But to, you know, Mr. Safety to my left, John has always said, I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers out there or Devontae Adams out there or the big stars out there because it means nothing. He's right in that regard. So here's the power of the coaches. The power of the coaches is to stop lobbying that, hey, we need this extra time, because you don't. You know what you need? You need two games, and then you need some controlled scrimmages to give the reps to the players that you have to decide whether they are on your roster or not. That's it. If you had one home game, one road game, and two controlled scrimmages, that means you don't have to expose guys to anything you don't want to expose them to. You do it with the rank and file, the guys that are going to fill out the bottom half of your roster in that controlled scrimmage. They're the guys that you're featuring. That's it. That's all you got to do. Now, you know, young star teams with young quarterbacks, these preseason game reps are valuable. But for anybody that has an established quarterback, established receivers, established linebackers, um, they want them out there a a little bit so they can hit people. Because you don't get to hit people in practice. Yeah, here's my super aggressive idea if no one's going to budge because that would take away one more home date where... You know, a team can get a bunch of fans in their building, sell a bunch of stuff, sell some tickets. Um, How about this? Would coaches play some of their stars players, specifically the quarterback, if you just had the quarterback wear a red jersey in the preseason? Can't hit our guy, but you know what? Maybe get some more snaps from Tom Brady, some more snaps from maybe Jared Goff gets out there, you know? More Aaron Rodgers, some of the superstar quarterbacks. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's. Um, I think that's what control, controlled scrimmages have red jerseys on quarterbacks. 
So if you went two games and two controlled scrimmages, you, you can have the quarterback out there. But you wouldn't subject them, veteran quarterbacks, wouldn't be subjected to that possibility of being hurt. Now, you know, this exhibition season, I don't think we've lost a starting quarterback, right? Uh, I don't think so. They're wide receivers, defensive backs, linebackers. Yeah, star quarterbacks really aren't playing that much. Minnesota Vikings lost their starting center, right? But I, I think that was in a practice. I don't know if that was in a game or not. It doesn't matter. It certainly doesn't matter to me. It should matter to you. Nah, yeah. Let's wait till week one. Number one. I'll start worrying about stuff. Uh, all right. So uh, the Brewers. How about the Brewers? How about that 15-inning game huh? over the weekend? Yeah. That's pretty nutty. Um, and oh, you got something else before? No, I, I just had my hand. I thought the question was going to oh, be who stayed up and watched all of it. Oh, who stayed up and watched all of it? I have my hand raised. Okay, second part of the question. Are in this? Uh, I was reminded after Chase Anderson gave up some dongers. We're calling them dongers, not dingers or dongs. Dongers. Ah, <laughs> uh, the words are funny sometimes. Um, what are your top two worries about the Brewers the rest of the way, and if they make the postseason? What are your top two things where you think to yourself, oh, crap, I hope that doesn't pop up at the wrong time? Well, it's the for me, the top one is the, the same thing that has bothered them throughout the year, and that is inconsistency on offense. You know, they, again, even yesterday, uh, they go off for a six-run third inning, and that's all they get. They, they had one tag-on run later. So the, they throw up a bunch of, you know, the crooked numbers yesterday in one inning. That's it. Uh, that would be the issue. The four and the first and not adding on to it. That's, that's to me, is the biggest issue with this team has been from the outset, is that there has not been enough consistency in the offense. I know other people are going to say, yeah, hey, Mikey Baseball, what about a starting pitcher? I, I mean, starting pitching is, for the Brewers, it has been good enough. Would it be better if they had a frontliner? Yep. And can I remind you of this? And then somebody's going to say, well, what about the trade deadline, Mikey? Uh, let me remind you of this. Okay. Two of their top three starters out of spring training, if all is right, are going to be Jimmy Nelson and Zach Davies. Now, they knew they weren't going to have Nelson. They knew that last September. But they thought they might get him midseason. They thought maybe. But Zach Davies is certainly... Probably their number two. I mean, on their depth chart, he would be their number two starter. Chase Anderson would have been their number one. So of their top three starters last August, none of them are top three, and two of them aren't in the rotation this year in Davies and Nelson. And Anderson, who was the top guy, your opening day guy, your best guy, has not, not pitched like it really at all this year. So your top three from last August, are not part of the mix at any level that they were a year ago. And yet you're still sitting where you are at 73 and 59 with 30 games left to go. So, you know, give a, a check mark for what they've gotten out of Junior Guerra, a check mark for getting Yoli Chassin in the offseason, a check mark for Freddie Peralta and what he's done as a rookie up at the big league level. Wade Miley, I'm not sure. Chase Anderson, uh, it's, it's a negative. Not been good enough. So all of that's kind of in play. Are the Brewers going to make a deal this week? Well, they've got until Friday afternoon. That's when the waiver deadline is. And, uh, you know, maybe they will. You know, you, you can, everybody wants to look back at the backside and say, it should have gotten Cole Hamels. 
I don't know if you could have gotten Cole Hamels. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing that you know Jay Happ is doing from Toronto to New York. Although I think he had a bad outing over the weekend, um, and, and the same situation that you're looking at at some of the pitchers that are available this week. Guys that haven't done enough this year, but maybe somebody acquires them and they go on a five start streak in which they're great, which is what Cole Hamels has done. It's a bit of a crapshoot sometimes. Hey, by the way, real quick update on our Ian's Pizza bet. You can win Ian's Pizza by going to the Big 920 or the Big 1070.com and signing up to win. Uh, you still feel pretty confident the Brewers will get 91 or more wins? Yeah, I'm good with just, that. Just updating with 30 to go. How many do they need? Uh, 18? They need 18. They need to go um, 18 to and get 91. They need math. to go 18 and 12. 18 and 12. That's uh, not quite two out of every three. That's what they did in the last two series. By the way, and I'll share some of that math with you. All right. Oh, you got. Oh, that's right. You got Brewers. So we'll talk stuff. a little Brewers okay. math on the backside. So, how are you feeling on that Ian's Pizza bet? Um, I'm feeling pretty solid so far. I I hope they get to 91. I hope they go 18 and what, what did we say? 12? 12. 18 and 12. I still think that you know they're getting their wins how they're supposed to get their wins. I think the true test will be the Cardinals and Cubs. That that's going to be the difference maker in whether or not they get to that number. No, yeah. we'll find out. Mike's done some math, so this is this is gonna be great. We'll share some math when we come back. Eight seven 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 two nine ten seventy is the phone number. Eight seven 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 two nine ten seventy. You're listening statewide to the Mike Heller Show. from theathletic.com. He'll join us at 3.35. Do you want me to start singing or something? What's going on? I don't know. I mean, you were kind of screaming yeah. in the background there. I don't know what's what going on. What are you on. playing here? I have no idea. So, somebody's going to go, well, that's so-and-so, you dummy. How would you not know that? Greatest hit of the 80s. Somebody tell me what we're listening to. I don't know. It just says uh, TMHS beds one dash two zero. So I don't know. He figured it out. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right. So so here's the deal. The Brewers have thirty games remaining. Here's here's the current situation from a division standing standpoint. The Cubs, having won five in a row and seven of their last ten, now have a four game lead on the St. Louis Cardinals in the division. Five in the loss column. Their lead over the Brewers has ballooned to four and a half, six in the loss column. Cubs are home with the Mets, certainly buoyed by a four-game sweep over the Cincinnati Reds, who decided not to show up after they left Milwaukee. Give Chicago credit. This is the kind of team that they can be. So that's where they are in the division standings. The Brewers have 30 games remaining. In the wild card standings, the Brewers right now, if it were done, and it's not, I get that, if it were done right now, the Brewers would be the second wild card They'd be playing a road game in St. Louis in the wild card. Okay? Um, and some of you might say, oh, my God, they can't do that. Well, they're 8-8 eight and eight against the Cardinals this year, and they've been decent in both Milwaukee and St. Louis. But that's the split there, and the Brewers are a game ahead of Colorado in the race for that second wild card. They are tied in the loss column. So here's what I have, John. 
30 games left. Here's the math. The Brewers yeah. uh, just took uh, two out of three each against Cincinnati um, and Pittsburgh in their home games. Uh, Jeremy says, Skid Row, youth gone wild. Thank you. I knew somebody knew exactly yeah, somebody, what it was. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, so they just took uh, four out of six. People are disappointed that you know they, they got hammered on Saturday. They had a, a, a game that they let get away on Friday in the ninth and were able to come back after letting it get away again in the 15th, come back and win. So you had the, the bad in-between, the middle game loss to Pittsburgh during the week, um, or rather Cincinnati during the week, on the Scooter Jeanette ninth inning home run. Then you had the bad loss um, 9-1 to against Pittsburgh on Saturday. Nonetheless, you took the other four games. If you took two out of three in every series the rest of the way, the Brewers would be a no-doubter. They would be at 93 wins. Uh, is that right? They would be. They would add twenty to their total right now. They're seventy-three and fifty-nine. If they won two of the, each of the three down the stretch, they would get at ninety-three wins. Maybe even win the division if they got to ninety-three. But here's the rub: um, of the games remaining, the Brewers have a record of thirty and thirty-two against their remaining opponents. They are four and nine against the Cubs. They play the Cubs six games: three in uh, Milwaukee, three in Chicago. They are 4-9 against the Pirates. They have the Pirates for six games, three in Milwaukee, three in Pittsburgh. So that's the uh, – and then Cincinnati, they play also six games. They're 9-4 and four against the Reds, and they start that series in Cincinnati tomorrow. Everybody else, they play just one set for three games. San Francisco, they're 3-1 and one against the Giants. Detroit, they haven't played Detroit. Washington, they're two and one against Washington, and the Cardinals, they're eight and eight against the Cardinals. And they have three games left in St. Louis, final week of the season. So here's here's the further breakdown: six against Cincinnati, six against Chicago, six against Pittsburgh, three St. Louis, three Detroit, three San Francisco, three Washington. Fifteen at home, fifteen on the road. Right now they're in a playoff spot. The Brewers have twenty one of their thirty games against division teams. The other teams they're watching for, from a wild card standpoint uh, are teams they don't play anymore. They won the season series from Colorado. They won the season series from the L.A. Dodgers. So they're okay on that front. If they did end up tied, they'd play a home game for a playoff to get into the playoffs. You know what I want you to do with those numbers? I want you to, if they just played at the same winning percentage they played against those teams this year... Well, I think I told you that they're I, thirty I and thirty-two. They would be. They would finish. They would be at five hundred for the rest of the games. So they would win uh, fifteen more. They finish at eighty-eight. Okay, that's what I was getting at. I mean, if they if they replicate what they've done, they would essentially. I mean, they're thirty and thirty-two against those teams. They'd win fifteen more times. Yeah, I mean, that would be the the safe way to put it. If they won fifteen more times, they'd be at eighty-eight wins. You've done the math on recent on the wild card winners, the teams that got in, and the winning the magic number is usually about eighty eight. Mm-hmm. And, and this year might be a little different in the National League just because there are a couple more contenders. Uh, it feels like than in years past, but yeah, I mean eighty eight, I think would be the number where you'd be crossing your fingers. Ninety, I think you'd be feeling really good. Anything above ninety, like it would take like a really bummer something bummer situation that you can't control happening. So what you like to do is you'd like to get some wins to market. You want to take, you know, harvest and you want to get it to market. You want to get uh wins to market in this road trip that starts in Cincinnati and then goes to Washington. So again, some people would say no, you got to win 5 out of 6. I would 
if you told me right now you can go four and two in the next six games at Cincinnati at Washington, I'll take it. Yeah, that's what I said last week. I'll, t- I'll take yeah. the four and two. The four and two would get the Brewers to seventy-seven and sixty-one. Yeah. It would be sixteen games over five hundred. I agree. Last week I said if you can go twelve or what was it uh, eight and four over that twelve game stretch. Yeah, and that would put you at eight and four over the twelve game stretch, right? That's how that works. Yeah. So that's yeah, I totally agree. But then, you know, after this, a week from today, they're home with the Cubs. It's a Monday matinee uh, on Labor Day, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, home with the Chicago Cubs, the beginning of next week. Then a day off on Thursday, because every Thursday, except for this Thursday, every Thursday the rest of the way is off. Then the Brewers welcome in San Francisco. So if I just said in the next 12, would you take the 8-4? and four? And the simple answer is, oh my goodness, yes. If you took the next 12... And you went eight and four, the Brewers would be 81 and 63. 81 wins, 63 losses with 18 games to play. You'd take it in a heartbeat. So, are they going to do that? I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a lot to ask. To win two out of three is playing 667 baseball. But you know what will happen? This is how baseball works. St. Louis is doing it right now. The hot team in late August, September, gets in. Unless you have, you know, waited too long for the... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Finishing kick. So the Brewers... Well, they're not going to win two of three. You're just kind of waiting for one of those hot streaks. You're not going to win 67% of the time from here on out. But one, any team... And here, this part I agree with Drew on. Regression to the mean. The Cardinals have been super hot. I don't think they're that good. Maybe it's my heart that gets in the way. But I don't here's, think they're that good. Here's what's, so there's, yeah, I don't so know. Aren't, isn't there slated to be a little bit of a regression here for St. Louis? Well, here's what's interesting. It's just Can't that keep playing that kind of baseball. They're playing 700 baseball. Well, it's just that the Brewers and Cardinals kind of just did it at different times. So which team is the good team and which team is the team that was playing above their capabilities, right? They, base, they essentially have the same record at this point in the season, but the Brewers had a better record early on. And then if you looked at the last few games, you know what I mean? So the Brewers had their hot streak at the beginning. The Cardinals have theirs toward the end. How are you ever supposed to determine who the better team is? It's just because it's baseball. And and you don't always, you know, there might be another team with that similar record who did it all in the middle. So I, I have no I, I would I would assume if we think the Brewers are the team whose record they are, I would have to think in some way that the Cardinals are the team whose record they are. Cardinals are 19-5 and in their last 24 games. That's probably a little bit better clip than what the Brewers did earlier, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Brewers were 19-8 and in May. Mm -hmm. 
The Cardinals are 19 and 5 in their last 24. Well, I think just like I don't think the Brewers are the 19 and 8 team quite exactly. The Cardinals are probably not the 19 and 5 team, but when it all comes through over 130 games so far, they're pretty much record-wise the same team. Want to jump into a quick call here before we get to Don Banks on the other side of our bottom of the hour break? Uh, uh, yes. Well, no, I just we realized don't have to. We, no, I, sorry, Conrad, but we're way past the clock. Right. I didn't realize this. Uh, late. Don Banks sorry. from theathletic.com. His time on the program happens next. You don't want to miss it. We're inching up on the NFL season. And our NFL insider, Don Banks from theathletic.com, is next statewide on the Mike Heller Show. On Mondays, we welcome in Don Banks from TheAthletic.com, Patriots.com, brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison, where you get two years prepaid maintenance on any new or used car purchase, MetroFordOfMadison.com. And we begin with Don wondering if the Red Sox can hold on. The lead is down to six. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little get a little sweaty palm time. I'll give you that. It's, uh, it was inevitable they cooled down. I'd, I'd prefer they snap out it sooner than later but um no panic yet mike but i'll, I'll keep you informed thanks for asking yeah just want to check make sure you're doing all right um all right so odell beckham they they find uh, some joy in uh new york city with the new york football giants and odell beckham biggest guarantee for a wide receiver in league's history was it ever uh, a mystery or was this just waiting for time well, it was a mystery back in March. I remember being at the owners' meetings in Orlando when all those headlines were that they were open to shopping him. And I remember thinking that was a false story back then, that they were never going to be able to move this guy. He has too much talent. He has too much value. And all you had to do was remember last season when he was injured with that broken ankle lower leg, how bad that offense was. So uh, I do think it was inevitable. He he did everything right. Um, he played exactly, I think, um, as a lot of people didn't think he would. Uh, he came to every off-season camp, um, took part in everything that he could take part in without putting himself at risk, and really kind of forged, a, a, I think, an early good relationship with uh, with Pat Shermer, the new head coach of the Giants, and Dave Gettleman, their new GM. I, I think he got a lot of bonus points um, and showed the Mara family and the uh, Tish family that, that he had matured to a degree that it could be trusted with this big payday. Let me ask you the question that gets asked uh, this week in August every year. Is there a timetable and is there a possibility that the exhibition season would be changed before a collective bargaining agreement happens? Would it be on the table with a new CBA? It's the August question. What's your view yeah. on how the four exhibition games work? Well, I mean, clearly this year more teams are taking the um, tact of not even playing their their stars at all. The L.A. Rams came out. Sean McVay basically said nothing mattered except for getting to the regular season healthy. So unbelievably, as bad as the preseason has always been, it is even less attractive now. Um, is it possible, Mike, that the league could proactively, um, you know, take a take a move or make a move to, to to drop it to three games? Yes. 
It's not likely, though. I think it's still going to be tied up in the next um, CBA round of talks, which obviously is after the 2020 season heading into 2021. It's a it's a bargaining chip, and um, I think something will get done at that time. I think it's going to be shorter. I don't know if it's ever going to be two games, but I'll bet three games. Um, and, and and I think Goodell, or Roger Goodell, the commissioner, clearly sees it as for what it is, a substandard product, causes problems and, and alienates fans with the ticket prices, and there's no way to put lipstick on this particular pig. Uh, also, another evergreen uh, question and topic with Don Banks from TheAthletic.com. That's the hit on Marquise Lee, which ends his season for Jacksonville. The wide receiver takes a hit to the knee. Um, wide receivers will tell you they'd much rather have you hit high. Defensive backs will tell you we don't know where to hit. Is that even a, a conversation with the competition committee and player safety? No, because let's be honest, uh, the player safety issue is driven by the head trauma and the injuries are awful, and they're um, you know they're costly. But the the competition committee is not going to be swayed by if there's too many defenders going low and hurting too many uh, offensive players' knees. They're not going to be swayed by that. There's no litigation that could potentially come from that. Sadly, we know you know the injury because there is potential litigation and there is potential long-term damage. Uh, and viability of football. So that's not going to change even though um, defenders might go lower and they might say you're giving us no choice. Well, and and the the follow-up to that is our, you know, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I think it's a fair question to ask. Our defensive coordinators and defensive backs coach and linebackers coaches, are they telling their players to hit lower? And if they are, doesn't that make tight ends and wide receivers' knees vulnerable? Well, there's certainly... um, away from the head and shoulders. So in, inevitably, yeah, I guess that means you're telling them to hit lower. You know, there's there's a way to hit between, you know, the <laughs> above the knees and, and below the shoulders. It's a fast-moving game, though, and a lot of decisions yeah. get made in an instant, and players can't be perfect out there with the speed of the game. But I think, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, they are telling them, look, you got to drop the target because now, as we have seen, the lowering the helmet rule has at least been the language been clarified a little bit but it's still going to be a factor this season as as players try to modify behavior so let me ask you a question don banks on uh the packers front where the raiders are concerned with khalil Mack. you know when a jury is out deliberating for a long time uh, somebody will come back and say the longer they deliberate the better it is for the prosecution or the defense the longer khalil Mack stays unsigned in oakland who is that better for it's. I mean, it, it, the Raiders have more leverage than he does. I, I don't think there's a doubt about that. But um, he's also their best player, and and, and they need to win now. Um, obviously, they're in a weird situation, being somewhat in limbo, perhaps a last season in Oakland. The Raiders, the team has more leverage. But I really, again, as we've talked before, I really believe this thing is going to come to a divorce at some point. I don't think a trade is out of the question. I don't think they want to trade him, but I think they might feel like they have to. It's a bizarre story. We don't see any effort by the Raiders to bridge this gap. We don't hear uh, anything reported in the way of an offer since February. That can only lead me to believe that they can't do it right now, and if they're going to get anything out of their player, um, 
this year, it, I mean, it, it's going to take some sort of effort, a breakthrough, because right now he's dug in. He's incurring, what, $814,000 per week uh, in lost salary, and you know, that can't go on if you're Killian Mack forever. Then again, if you're the Raiders, you, you probably have less and less leverage in the trade market as he stays out. And last thought here with you on this Monday, the last non-game week in the NFL until we get to February. Has anything happened in training camps this year that would change your view of the way you'll kind of rank teams heading into the regular season? Well, in certain cases, I mean, I actually am very impressed with what I see out of Baltimore. I think that Joe Flacco and and the sense of urgency that prevails there. Um, I've seen some teams... I haven't seen what I thought I would out of Tennessee under Mike Vrabel and, and his new regime. Kind of ditto for Matt Patricia in Detroit. So, I mean, there's been some, yeah, there's been some fluctuations. Um, but I'm not, I can't sit here and say I've, I've taken somebody that was completely off my radar screen and put them in, you know, the, the let's say the five or six teams that I think are, are uh, elite and one of them is going to win the Super Bowl next year in February in Atlanta. Nothing that dramatic. But I might pick Baltimore to win the AFC North, and I wouldn't have told you that three weeks ago. All right, and then what are you working on? What can we see uh, as we uh, inch closer, 10 days out from the NFL season opener? Yeah, I actually think I am going to do my my picks column and and the award winners and all that good stuff uh, this week on Patriots.com. not quite sure if it's going to be Thursday or Friday, but I do think a Packer fan might be um, encouraged by where I land on Green Bay. <laughs> and I guess we'll talk about that when we visit next week. That's called a tease, Mike. Very good. That's, that's an eight-day tease from Don Banks, everybody. <laughs> uh, Don, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Don Banks, theathletic.com, patriots.com. Brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison, where you get two years prepaid maintenance on any new or used car purchase. MetroFordofMadison.com. Okay, he thinks Packers fans are going to be pleased by what he has to write in his season preview. wonder if he is going to replicate my Super Bowl pick with the Green Bay Packers, yeah, which we, I haven't made yet. I was going to say, oh, have we made, made Super We're not Bowl make picks that. The yet. season doesn't start for 10 days. Okay, we have time. See, that's Spanish Has there ever yes. been a season where you haven't picked the Packers? Yes. Baloney. Come on, man. When I When they... When they inserted Aaron Rodgers in as the starting quarterback, and I was not happy about the entire Brett Favre deal. 2008? Yes. So in the last decade. Um, I think there's probably another time, yeah. Has there ever been a season where you picked the Vikings? No, never. To go to the Super Bowl? Nope. Okay. There's one where I felt pretty good when Favre came over. You didn't know what to expect. I felt pretty good about the season. Yeah, I thought you didn't they were know what contender. to expect. Favre had to had a, a, a. I thought they were contender, but I don't think I exactly picked nah, them. But you, I thought they could win. The you su- don't get you to don't the Super ever, Bowl. You don't ever pick them. That's the no. way. It, I told you I don't ever pick roll. them. Second hour of the program. Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press Gazette, PackersNews.com. He'll join us at about twenty past four statewide on the Mike Heller Show. <laughs> They're the end crowd with the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Yeah, 
Now, here's Mike Keller. I will not get hot and I never get stained when we saddle up and ride on in the pole and break the outside of. I will not ride us. I will not burn and rubber up our tires. Oh, man, did a lot of math in the first hour of the program, and I don't think it got us anywhere at all. Here's some simple math. The National Football League plays four exhibition games. The simple math is to cut that deal in half. The more complicated math is that you really can't cut it in half until you get into the new collective bargaining agreement, which wouldn't take place until after the 2020 exhibition season. Because the CBA doesn't get renegotiated until after 2020 is complete. So you've got all of the 18th season, all of the 19th season, all of the 20 season remaining before the CBA. But what you could do, and it, it is a little bit complicated, but it's simple enough, is that if if you found common ground, and I think the players are there, certainly the organizations are there to a certain extent, and coaches in that vein, is that you could get the NFL exhibition season down to three games a year from now. Wouldn't that be spectacular? That does not mean going to 17 regular season games. Because I don't see that. I, I know that Dan Patrick was talking to Peter King on the Dan Patrick Show earlier today. And uh, Dan's idea on that is to go to two exhibition games and either 17 or 18 regular season games with a second bye. And Peter says it's still not going to get by with the player safety issue, even with two byes, not going to get through at that level. So I am not sitting here telling you that you've got to go to two exhibition games and 17 regular, 18 regular. I think you could keep the regular season at 16 and go to two exhibition games with two controlled scrimmages that uh, teams can set up of their own free will. In those exhibition, those controlled scrimmages, by the way, you feature the players that are on the bottom half of your make or not make your roster. Okay, quarterbacks are wearing red jerseys. In all controlled scrimmages, quarterbacks don't get hit. So you've got two games. If you want to, if you got a young rookie starter that you want to run out there at the quarterback position in the exhibition season, you got two games in which he can get hit and two controlled scrimmages in which he can't. If you got young or even veteran wide receivers and defensive backs, you got two games in which they're hitting and being hit and two controlled scrimmages that are just that. They're controlled. You don't have to put them out there. I see us I see the NFL going that way. And we just visited with... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don Banks. And Don is talking about that the landscape is continuing to evolve where organizations say it's not worth the risk to put players out there, key players, players that we're going to count on when it matters and put them out there in exhibition games. So if they're not going to do it, the NFL also then understands that the product is compromised. So the exhibition season product is compromised. We talk about it yearly a lot more in late August than we do early August because the appetite has been there for such a long time. We built up a thirst for NFL games, even if they are exhibition games. 
And we want that thirst quenched. And you get it. And then you get a little later and go, okay, now we want them to count. And I don't, we're not on an island here. We're actually speaking your voice as consumers and fans of the NFL is that two games is about all you want to stomach from the exhibition season. Three at the max. And I think we're going to get there. I think this is one of those times where you look at the NFL and you go, hey, they might actually get this. Might actually get this. But the goal would be to do it before you get to the new CBA and to at least get it down to three. At least get it down to three. We welcome you aboard on a Monday afternoon, my favorite day in sports talk. I'm Mike Heller, joined by John Audie. Hey, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? That's part of our discussion in the Big Four at Four about the NFL preseason because it is, I mean, we have this conversation every single you know what it is, preseason. John? It's a four-letter word. It begins with S, ends with G, and it has a low in between. It's a slog, John. Slog. The exhibition season is a slog. Be and honest. I'm going to be honest. I didn't. I didn't put that together when you yeah. even laid it out for me like well, that. Well, because I did the uh, slog, the L O in the middle, and you're going S L O slog. Gee, slog. What? The, what? The, what the hell? The NFL is a slog? preseason is a slog. I mean, I, who honestly? Like, why do you? Uh, we're going to get into it, but it, I'm just wondering. I'm if, with uh, you. I'm going to. I'm going to do this live on the air. Is slog a word? Slog definition. Sure yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, it is slog. Uh, work hard over a period of time. Hit forcefully and typically wildly, especially in boxing. They're slogging their way through. Um, a spell of difficult, tiring work or traveling. That would be a hard slog going back to camp. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. It's a slog, John. Slog fest. This is the Big Four at four. The top four trending sports stories this hour. Number four. Here's what's trending. It's game week. Big voice guy ever uh, get a correction on number floor? Number floor. Uh, It's game week, Mike. The Wisconsin Badgers play this weekend. Play on Friday night. So, I don't know. Okay, so I the, the plan on the rundown is to have like a Badger question of the day. It didn't happen today. But what would be your Badger question of the day as you get ready for the game? Can Wisconsin find a way to beat Western Kentucky? Um, wasn't that kind nope. of? I thought that was a given. Okay, is that not a given? Anticipation level on the uh, game week. What do you think? I think it's just again for the this, season, this not is, just for Friday. Yeah, but I mean, this is again. It goes back to hunger and thirst, and you hunger for college football. You thirst to see Wisconsin back on the field and at Camp Randall. And then after Western Kentucky, the next Saturday, 12 days from now, an 11 a.m. kick against New Mexico, uh, you'll be hankering for a little BYU. Even if BYU is not, at least there's a name to represent the BYU Cougars coming to Madison. That is September the 15th. But what we're all really looking forward to, and it's hard when you do this because on the calendar, it is um, for it's 26 days away. Mm-hmm. But that game at Iowa. Is kind of your opener, so that seems even though the really NFL close. By the way, what twenty six days? Well, yeah. So I mean, this is kind of what you get to, right? In the NFL, the exhibition games don't count. In college football, the exhibition games count. <laughs> you know, you've got Western Kentucky and New Mexico and BYU, and they're going to be, be, be people that are saying, "Well, why aren't they scheduling more difficult?" 
BYU is that difficult team when it was scheduled. It just didn't turn out to be now. Yeah, you was, do have was, Notre Dame on the schedules as you roll forward. There are good teams, and there's always a good team in the non-conference schedule. There has been Alabama and LSU. But last year's trip to Provo, and this year, BYU coming to Madison, that was supposed to be the difficult one. It just isn't. So on that scale of 1 to 10, where's your anticipation level? Well, it's an 8 because I like getting back to Camp Rendell, and I like college football, and I want to see Wisconsin play. But it's a 10 waiting for September the 22nd at Iowa. Okay, gotcha. Number three. Uh, Tiger was asked about Donald Trump today. Yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry, yesterday. And um, do you want to hear it? It's about a minute long. Should we just play it? Sure. Okay. So he was asked first to describe his relationship with Trump. Well, I've known Donald for a number of years. You know, we've we've played golf together, um, and, you know, we've had dinner together and so yeah that's um i've known him you know pre-presidency and obviously during his uh, presidency at a time especially 2018 i think a lot of people especially people of color immigrants feel threatened by him by his policies um he's thrown himself into sports debates in terms of mm-hmm. race with LeBron james with anthem um what do you say to people who might find it interesting to have i guess a friendly relationship with him well, he's our—he's the president of the United States, and you have to respect the the, the office. And no matter who's in the office, um, you may like, dislike um, the personality or the, the politics, uh, but we all must respect the office. Do you have anything more broadly to say about the state, I guess, the discourse of race relations? Um, no, I just finished 72 holes and really hungry. So I think it's good. Uh, listen, he he understood by the time he got to the end there that he was trying, he was going to get baited into saying something political. Here's my deal. <laughs> I think in the media, we typically we're not doing this because we're not talking politics. But in the media, there is a want to to pull uh, Steph Curry and LeBron James and Kevin Durant and Tiger Woods and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers into political, social conversations. And I'm all for it if they want to. If they don't want to, I'm not critical that Tiger Woods didn't want to go there. Not critical. But there are people that are. Actually, when there are people that are critical of it, they're typically only critical of one side of it. It's, it's, it's political baiting. And they're baiting athletes into saying something that is for a social movement or against a social movement, and it's always, in that regard, going to be viewed as political. Yeah, that person was writing a story, and no matter what response he got, he had a story. And I don't know, I'm fine with Tiger. Hey, guess what? If Tiger, if LeBron, if Steph, if Ryan Braun, if Aaron Rodgers, if anybody wants to, okay, cool. If they don't want to speak out about political movements, political stories, I'm fine with that as well. So... I'm actually, in some sense, kind of relieved that the Tiger <laughs> didn't take the bait. You know what I mean? He just said, nah, I just played golf. I'm really hungry. And so, I don't know, man. It just, it always seems, everybody's always got to have an opinion on something. And there's part of me that says, good, I'm glad he doesn't have an opinion on something yeah. for once. By the way, do you have uh, Suri hand, handy? Yeah, handy? why, what's up? Would you remind Suri to have you ask me about Ryan Braun at 
I'm going to guess. I mean, I think it's important that we don't forget this. Uh, remind me at 4.30 p.m. to ask Mike about Ryan Braun. Okay. Got it. Okay. okay. I'll remind you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Number two. Uh, preseason NFL football. Did anybody really watch the entire Packers game on a Friday night? Number okay. one. Number yeah. two. Yep, yep, number two. Yep, hold, yep. On, hold on, Heller. Hold on. Hold on. We got Wait, two hours of the show. One. Just chill. Uh, and part two of that question have we come to the point where maybe we should start talking about adjusting this preseason because it's getting pretty long and boring? Yeah, and and I did. In uh, part three. No, there's only part two. Can I, coaches I did, have a, a big part in this by not playing their stars? No, because it's three parts. Part one, um, I, I saw enough that I want to see. I saw um, Jair Alexander ha- have another, you know, Performance that you got to be uh, in favor of. Josh Jackson had moments. Jamon Moore had moments. I saw enough good things. But you know what happened is uh, the Brewers, who started just after 7 o'clock, and the Packers, who started at 9.30, the Brewers blew a 4 nothing lead in that game and a lead in the, bo- in the top of the ninth inning, and it ended up going 15. And I stayed up and watched all 15. So it gave me a diversion from watching the second half of the Packers, and the Brewers game actually finished after the Packers that started two hours and 20 minutes later. That's baseball. Things happen sometimes. All right, but would you have wanted to go to the California rule? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said After 10 innings, runner at second base to open the 11th. If that's what we all agreed upon, yeah. You don't get moments like that, that's fine. But you definitely save... Would you rather have that or that the game goes 15? Um, I would not have a problem if Major League Baseball decided to start putting runners at second after 11, 10 innings, whatever that number would be. It's a topic for another day, yeah. isn't it? Would not have a problem with it at Did all. I? Oh, and on the length of the uh, exhibition season, yeah, the coaches could have an influence on that. Just don't if, play their stars. If And that's kind of what they're doing. And it's why it's why it always grumbles a little bit louder at this point in August every year because the fan base is fed up with seeing going and some of them paying for their tickets, not some of them, almost all of them paying for their tickets, and seeing a product of which it doesn't resemble anybody you're going to see two weeks from now. So all there. right, should we move on to the next thing that we... Number one. This one. Are we at number one already in our big floor at four, Mike? So I want your top two worries about the Brewers the rest of the season and... The postseason, if they happen to make it that far. 30 games left to go. I would think, again, the consistent worry. There are two things. Two things. I need your top two. Number one, and this is my top worry, is their inconsistent production offensively. That would be my top worry. You know, Again, on Friday night, they score four in the first and can't tack anything on. They didn't score between the first and the 15th. So they went, John, do the math. 13 innings without scoring. About 13? And then in the bottom of the 15th, they scored three times inexplicably. It was uh, That part was crazy, but that part is what worries me the most about the Brewers is inconsistent offensive production. They, they bunch some runs. They don't tag on a bunch. That has been their issue almost beginning to end. Number two worry would be, yeah, top of the rotation. Who am I going to trust? And if you get to a one-game playoff, it's got to be Yoli Chassin. 
Has to be. Has to be. Uh, two things. I don't think these are the top two because I would go with the scoring runs, the offense as number one. But here are two things that I've thought about after watching Chase Anderson give up more dingers and dongers and dongs. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say I dongs. Know. Yeah, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> but it's Ding Dong City, you know, the mayor of. Anyway, um, there are only two other pitchers in Major League Baseball that have allowed more home runs this season. These are just little things that I store away. Like, I hope that doesn't come back to hurt the Brewers at a critical time. Right? Like, he can keep giving up, like, solo home runs or whatever. And I just feel like it's going to come at the wrong time, in the wrong inning, in the wrong game. And it's going to put the Brewers behind the Cubs that much further. Or if they make it to the postseason, um, it could obviously, you know, hurt them there. That's That's one of my things. And then the other thing is... You know the strategy that they've employed the whole season with starting pitching and bullpen and the usage of of both those things? Like, I feel there's going to be a point, once again, late in the season or maybe in the postseason, or maybe it's Anderson, maybe it's Chassin or whatever, and they're dealing, and here comes Craig Council, and he takes him out, and it's going to backfire, and we're going to go, why didn't he just keep him in a little bit longer? Yeah, I'm like not, those are things that I think are definitely going to pop up over the next thirty games. I just think that those people that are are Maybe reticent to the pitching change are just off. They just haven't kept up, and if they expect that that situation changes, they're wrong. It's what the it's what the ball club is, what the organization has set up. That's the Brewers' analytics approach to a game is to get their starting pitcher into the sixth, and then they're going to make the move based on circumstance. Why doesn't baseball, this may seem and like a not alone. silly question, Mikey Baseball, um, and I know they do a lot of this already. Why don't they just have, why doesn't every manager decision just come straight from a computer? Straight from the numbers, here we go, Skip, this is what we should do right now. Well, it, I mean, it, they kind of already does. Yeah, it kind of does. Kind of does already. But I, I would still think that there are some gut feelings involved with leaving a guy in a little bit longer well, or whatnot. Th- there, there are not in, in sometimes in those situations. Sometimes it is. There's a lot of things that a lot of data that gets put into a particular situation. So why do we even need an on-field manager? Why don't we just have off-field managers? Because the computer can just simply make the, the changes, you know? I don't know how to answer that. By the way, I did get a text that said um, that said saying dongers, not dingers, is borderline grounds for suspension. <laughs> dongers? That's the term we came up on the rundown. He must have been listening because, yeah. uh, and, and he suggests that that is uh, grounds for borderline. borderline I think if I said suspension. without the ers on it, I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to just say homers. Maybe, yeah, maybe you should just go back to the traditional. Homers. Homers. Yep. All right, uh, so we're going to visit with Pete Doherty of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, PackersNews.com. He'll join us on the other side. We'll get a chance to to get a view. You know, what are you really looking at now? Is this just a roster week for the Packers? And if it is a roster... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Last week, 
How do some of the injuries deal into this? Jake Kumaro not practicing again today. Today was the last open practice, and it wasn't open because of weather. There were no bike rides and no public viewing of today's final open workout. We'll visit with Pete Doherty, PackersNews.com, our green and gold insider. He is next statewide on the Mike Heller Show. week with Pete Doherty of PackersNews.com. Our green and gold insider brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison where you get two years prepaid maintenance on any new or used car purchase. Go to MetroFordOfMadison.com MetroFordOfMadison.com Packers won't play until Thursday of this week. They played in Oakland on Friday night. It was a late nighter. Not set to see Aaron Rodgers or some of the frontline players anymore. It's really kind of just a cut-down week in the National Football League for a lot of teams, including the Green Bay Packers, who opened with back-to-back home games. They finished with back-to-back road games. Preseason week number four. It's uh, almost limited to Thursday night. I'm trying to see if it's fully limited to Thursday night, and it is. All the games played on Thursday, and the Packers uh, will also be featured Thursday night at Kansas City. 7.30 Central Time is the kick for Green Bay at Kansas City. Pete Doherty now joins us. Uh, Pete, from a, from a coverage standpoint, what's to be gleaned from what we saw Friday night late in Oakland? And is Thursday night this week mainly just a who's making and not making the roster game? Yeah, and it's um, and it's also making sure that they're healthy. I was just looking all this stuff up and uh, getting some help from uh, – Tom Silverstein, one of my colleagues. Um, last year, today was the last practice, that open practice training camp. Last year on this practice, they had 10 guys who sat out because they were injured. Uh, they had another guy who was on IR, and they had two guys who still were on PUP. This year, I think it's three guys who didn't practice, one guy on IR, and nobody on PUP. So they're, they're so much healthier. So I have to think we're not going to see – you know, a lot of those starters we're not going to see at all, and some of the others, uh, not very much. So, um, from what were the most encouraging things that you saw on Friday night in Oakland? You know, probably just the same, mostly obvious stuff that that everybody else did. You know, they're they sure look better at cornerback. You know, a lot lot more talent back there. You know, Josh Jackson's got a real nose for the ball. Um, you know, Alexander, the play he made, he's had a couple plays like that on the practice field. Um, so that probably as much as anything, if you're looking for, you know, where there's going to be improvement, um, you know, obviously the tackle situation is as big a concern now as it was when camp started. Um, so that would be the, you know, that would be my biggest concern if I were the Packers, but I don't know if there's going to be much they can, can do about that. Teams aren't going to cut, a, you know, a legitimate swing tackle, a guy who could do it, the chances of, Somebody cutting a guy like that are pretty slim. Not not saying it can't happen, but I would think the odds are pretty slim. The uh, the trade over the weekend to acquire uh, Antonio Morrison from the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, obviously that 
kind of rang of not um, not desperation, but it was an, a move that Brian Gutekunst uh, obviously recognized they needed to do something. Yeah, you know, when I first saw it, I thought, man, this must mean um, Oren Burks' injury is is kind of serious, but it at least doesn't sound like it is. Uh, you never know. As we know, you can't trust injury information in this league. But uh, the thing, you know, this guy, it sounds like he's he's a, he's a thumper, and so he's a one-down player, maybe two. Uh, this game is such a passing game. You need the Oren Burks's, the guys who can cover. So, you know, I don't know that this is going to be that great, that big an addition. Uh, they must have figured that they were going to cut Pipkins anyway because of you know all the the improvements they have that you know between signing Williams and drafting the two corners, and so they got a guy from the Colts who the Colts probably thought that they were going to cut. So if we went through, uh, and I won't do it one each by each, but through the Packers draft selections, Alexander Jackson, Burks, Moore. Um, those are the top four round draft picks. They're all going to be contributors at some level, and like and Jamal Moore has been much better in recent time than he was early. But the rest of the draft choices, anybody in danger of not making the season opening roster? I would think Donerson won't make it. Um, but there's you know there's probably it looks like there's some ability there. He's a I don't think they have to worry about anybody picking him up. He's He's just not a, a guy ready for a, the 53 yet, but there's some ability there. So a year on the practice squad could help him some. So I, I don't think he'll make it. I'm trying to think of uh, well, the, I think how about the other, the, how about the other two uh, wideouts? Yeah, Marcus Valdez Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown. I think they'll both make it. Um, I think Scantling, that uh, Valdez Scantling, the chances are really you know they're really high that he's going to make it. I just have trouble seeing him. You know, he's six five and he can run a four three seven. Um, if St. Brown got cut to keep Trevor Davis and Kumaro's injury, Kumaro's injury is allows him back next week. Then, you know, I could see St. Brown getting cut and um, trying to put him on the practice squad. I don't think anybody pick him up. Um, but if I had to bet, I guess I'd bet on the three rookies making it. That's a tough call between with Davis and Kumaro and uh, and St. Brown. You know, we we have this question every year at this time. You guys get so. Um... Uh, not in a bad way, but so bogged down in what you're doing daily that maybe uh, this isn't always on your radar. But from a fan perspective, since so many frontliners aren't playing last week and this coming week, there, there is a, a growing rumble in the NFL to shorten the exhibition season. Is is that realistic, and does it have to wait to the CBA? What's your view on that? Yeah, I think it probably has to wait for the CBA. I'm, I'm I don't see how they're how the owners will get rid of it unless they get a regular season game in return. They're not going to they're getting a full gate for that, you know. So I just don't see how they'll how they'd be willing to give it up. That's you know how, however many million dollars the Packers make off of just one home game, um, you know that's what they'd be just giving away, you know. And the, and the pay for players in preseason is nothing. So that's all profit. Um, so I that's got to be a CBA thing and. I don't know if the players will ever allow for a 17th game. I mean, if everybody's really serious about, you know, the health issues and all that, ending a game does is, is contrary to, you know, to keeping everybody healthy and, and you know, not getting with the head injuries and all that. Um, and, and as we, uh, we inch closer, the NFL season will kick off next Thursday night. The Packers will play 13 nights from now when it begins for real at home against the Chicago Bears. Um, what is the, you know, it used to be different in the cut down week. Now it's really all at one time. Is that better or worse? 
Uh, from the team's perspective, it's mostly way, way better uh, for the just for the case of you know for this last game. They can sit all their guys that they want to sit, and they still have enough players to put out there. And you get a little longer; you get an extra week to look at guys in case you're, you know, in case you're wondering. It's, I can't. I don't think there are many guys who get cut in that first cut, and then the team goes, "Oh, we should have kept him," you know, when the when the season starts. Uh, but just for getting through that final preseason game, I think it's huge. It makes it a little harder on the scouting staffs to. You have to you have all those players, and you have to go through them all at once in a very short time to put in your waiver claims, you know, for somebody you like. But I, I know everything I've seen from McCarthy and you know anything, any quotes from other head coaches is they really really like it because it uh, it gives them guy extra bodies to play on that in that final game. Still a potential, uh, I suppose. There's legs to this until they're taken out on the Khalil Mack possibility. Until Oakland signs him, uh, that deal somebody could still acquire him, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, who knows? These things just can spring up out of nowhere. I think what it probably will take for the Oakland to deal him is if he's willing to sit out four or five or six games and give up those $900,000 paychecks, um, maybe that's enough to convince the Raiders that they should just uh, cut their losses, get everything they can for them, and, and move on. Not saying that's that's what they would do, but I, that would be the kind of pressure that, that might force their hand. Well, and that's, you know, we talk about trade deadlines in Major League Baseball every year. We don't typically talk much about them in the NFL, but maybe that's a trade deadline deal. Yeah, that's one of I'm trying that's like mid-October, late October, I think. Yeah, I the, think so. The trade it's, deadline. Yeah, uh, I think um last year it was October the 31st, I believe. So, or right there. So, yeah, it's the end of October. So, it's what, 5 games into the season, 6 games into the season. Yeah, and I mean, you know, right now you still kind of have to think, well, this all kind of sounds like a pipe dream and a long shot, but the landscape, you know, we know these things, the landscape can can change in a heartbeat. So, uh, I mean, this is just one you got to just sit and watch. All right, Pete, very good. We'll talk to you uh, again on Friday after the exhibition season is complete. Sounds good, Mike. All right, thank you, Pete. Pete Doherty, PackersNews.com, Green and Gold Insider, Green Bay Press Gazette, brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison. Go to MetroFordOfMadison.com. Uh, NBC tried something cool with football, the game, the broadcast. Is it cool? Oh, sorry about that. We'll ask you that question next. Plus, I'm supposed to remind you about Ryan Braun. Oh, I'm glad you did. Siri told me. Really interesting back and forth as we, uh, there was a SI piece that I found earlier today. Very interesting on Ryan Braun. Okay. We'll get to that when we come back. Statewide, this is the Mike Heller Show. Don't you know that you can count me out? So a couple of notes before I get into this. Uh, Here's the headline at SI.com. Anthony Bosch, remember that name? Oh, Tony Bosch. Reveals why Ryan Braun got caught for using PEDs. Was he not? Oh, okay. All right. Uh, forget what I want. I want to talk about the green zone because NBC did it, and they make the grass greener to indicate how far someone has to go on third down for a first down, but it's dumb, and who cares? 
So this I is an, about this. this is excerpted from the book Baseball Cop: The Dark Side of America's National Pastime by Eddie Dominguez with Christian Red and Terry Thompson. We should get this guy on the show. Okay, but uh, okay. I'll let you set that up. Tony Bosch uh, talking about uh, about what goes on in Major League Baseball from a testing standpoint. He said they have quote they have the better of the worst. He said of Major League Baseball's program. The least of my worries was a player getting caught. The ones that did test dirty were those that thought, quote, I was invincible and that Tony could fix everything and they didn't follow protocol. We've talked about this in a roundabout way forever. Yeah. That the guys that get caught were the guys who didn't follow the plan. So he said, and this I'll just read this part uh, as the quote real, from the piece. Real quick, I would have guessed if you said, why did Ryan Braun get caught? He probably wasn't listening to what he was supposed to do. This is the excerpt, and this is the quote from the book. And so what happened with Braun was real simple, he said, Anthony Bosch. The guy took like 30 gummy bears. He took one in the third inning. Then he took one in the fifth inning. Then he took one in the seventh inning. Then he took one, and he just kept popping it like it was candy. Bosch recreated the conversation with Braun, and I had to uh, smile after hearing the anecdote retold. That's the author saying this. Here's the uh, recreated conversation that Anthony Bosch had with Braun from Bosch's recollection. Quote, how many did you take? I took like five, six. How much did you take? Okay, I took the whole thing. Braun back to him. Bosch described a testing policy that is full of holes, but players got tested after games. So here's here's the way it would work. Um, he singled out Braun as a reckless user. He said Braun had something called trochies. Yep. They called them gummy bears. They're actually lozenges. They had a testosterone in them, 15%. I had already had these guys juice, so all they had to do was take this as an activator, a little testosterone, they would drop it in the first inning, and it was out of their system by the fifth inning. So unless you pulled him out of the game and tested him, you would never find out. So you could test him before the game started and test him after, and you would never know. But that's where he said Braun would said he popped it in the first inning, third inning, fifth inning, seventh inning. I need to know more about the science of these little trochies that he was using then. So this was just so before. So what Bosch is saying is that they're already juiced up, so they're so already on something an, else. This is an activator. So they're already on something else, and this helps. They're already on some testosterone okay, program, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. but it won't test. And this is the activator. So this just fires it up. This will set it into motion, but it only lasts about a couple hours, an hour, hour or so. Yeah. Hmm. So if you take it in the first inning, it's gone by the fifth. It's an hour and thirty minutes. Maybe it's a ninety-minute window. So I would imagine that the instruction says, "Don't take one of these after the fifth inning." That's it. So now remember the circumstances of which, if I recall them properly, um, Braun got tested post game. It was after a, and it was the Friday or Saturday game. game. Oh, that's not a playoff game. What am I? Th- was it a playoff game? Um, no, I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, it was a Friday or Saturday game. Yeah, I think it was against Arizona, John. Yeah, and that's where the tester comes in because they couldn't deliver <clears throat> whatever. Is it would not get into that rabbit hole. The collector. The, yeah, but here yeah. The, again, the conversation between Bosch and Braun as recreated by Anthony Bosch. If you trust, how many did you take? Braun says, I took five. I took six. Bosch says, how much did you take? 
okay, I took the whole thing. Now, if I remember, what were the stories afterwards? Were they that bronze levels were just off the charts? Yeah. Because that would support a little would bit of what Bosch is saying. What, what Bosch is saying, that, that Braun was juicing up during and really juicing up during with these trochies, these gummy bears. Wow. And they're lozenges. And, you know. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You know, the, the protocol says take one in the first or the third inning. Uh, be out of your system by the fifth or seventh, and that's it. That's the activator. That's the protocol that they had in play. In the bigger, um, in in the broader scan of things here, if you don't think this is commonplace, again, I've felt this way for a long time. If you don't think this is rather ordinary behavior. I think you're crazy. Yeah. So this is from 2011 Sports Illustrated. Ryan Braun's positive test for testosterone showed a level that was extremely elevated and likely the highest that has ever been recorded in Major League Baseball, according to a source with knowledge of the NL MVP's test. So this is 2011. So that would support that he was just, you know, he had that feeling that he wasn't going to get tested. He wasn't going to get poked for it. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I love that's that's and, pretty and, interesting. And you know, it goes stuff. on. Bosch talked described a testing policy full of holes, including when and where players are tested. Uh, he said, "I didn't start working until midnight, and I didn't finish until five a.m. That was the work day with these athletes." He said, "You'd never see me during the day with these guys. We did everything in the middle of the night. Even if you wanted to use liquid liquid testosterone, uh, all right, you're going to have to get it by twelve o'clock midnight, and by nine ten a.m. it's out of your system." If you microdose it, good luck testing for it. Another example, off-season. Like, really? My guys, they were in the middle of the ocean on a boat. What are you going to do? Send a helicopter out to test them? So if the testers called and said, we need to get a drug test, I'm on a boat in the middle of the ocean fishing. So what, he would take these guys on trips or something like that? These guys would go on trips. Oh, and that's when they'd... And he would also do it, you know, in in uh, little strip malls in the Dominican, because nobody was down there going to do the testing. So especially, he said the Dominican players. He said, you know, this little strip mall that he would work at in the Dominican. You walk in it, and, and it had autographed pictures from a lot of the Dominicans' best players. It was a, uh, a testosterone and memorabilia center. And, and this, this is the part that I've always wow. talked about. And listen, I don't think Anthony Bosch is a paragon of virtue, but I don't think he's lying through his teeth about all of this. And this is the part that, to me, rings true. He says, quote, it's simple math. Look at the history. Let's see. I'm a number four outfielder earning $1.1 million. I get on the juice in my free agent year. If I make it as a starting outfielder, let's see. That's $4.3 million. I get caught. I lose fifty grand. I lose five hundred grand. So I can make four point three. And if I get caught, and I won't get caught if I do it the way they're telling me to do it, I could lose five hundred. Guess what I'm doing? Seems like a pretty good investment into yourself. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, well, that comes back to what are the penalties for getting caught. And that's the lure of PED use in professional sports is that the payday is so flipping significant. I'll take the hit. I'll take the suspension. the risk is small. Yeah, I'll take all those hits. And this isn't anabolic steroids where the effect on your body is proven to be totally negative. These are PEDs. This is testosterone, but it's not anabolic steroids that we had back in the day. There is no uh, long-term issues that they've studied and said, well, this is this. Look at all the... The early deaths, the kidney failures, all of those things. So we learn about those in 15, 20 years. Maybe we will, but right right now that's not part of what this is. Mm -hmm. It's a very interesting read. I tweeted out the uh, the link to it earlier today. I'll do it again for those that didn't see it. That is crazy. So essentially it comes down, in case you missed it, you're just joining the conversation now. Anthony Bosch, the guy who supplied Ryan Braun with... uh, testosterone said that Braun just overdid it, which is popping these these trochies, these gummies, these lozenges too many times during a game and eventually got popped for it. Yeah. So interesting. I'll tweet out the link to it if you want to read that excerpt from the, the book that's coming out. Uh, if you want to, uh, I'll send that out on my Twitter here in a moment. One more hour yet to come on my favorite sports talk day of the week. That's Mondays. You're listening statewide to the Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd with the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our color show where the numbers ain't, where the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. In and with you on the Mike Heller Show on a Monday, now into the early evening, almost to the early evening. It's a college football week. It's not really an NFL week. It's a big week in the NFL, mainly, though, for players and rosters. Not a big week in the NFL for the fan bases. Starters aren't really going to play much this week. It is all about everybody plays on Thursday night. It's all about getting your roster set for what happens then 10 days later. You know, there is a game, obviously, a week from Thursday. But the Green Bay Packers will play 13 nights from now. That will open the regular season on the Sunday night in Green Bay against the Chicago Bears. This week, they'll play at Kansas City. It's a Thursday night 7.30 kick. And it's the for those who... Oh, it's a deep dive into the NFL to be watching Thursday night games. It's a deep dive into who's going to make the roster and who's not going to make the roster, and that can be really intriguing for some. But you're not going to see frontline starters. You're not going to see frontline quarterbacks. You're not going to see a lot of those. For some, in the interest of depth, uh, from a standpoint of earning opportunity, there might be some, you know, borderline frontline players that are out there on Thursday night, but the rest of it is for roster makeup. Who's going to make, who's not going to make your roster. That's all Thursday night. There is, uh, as this week rolls on, it is the full opening of college football. There were games played last weekend, but this is the full opening of college football. 
And it begins Thursday, but in earnest on Friday. And then a full slate Saturday, there's a game Sunday, there's a game Monday with uh, Sunday and Monday of Labor Day. There is So there's college football. You'll get your full fill of it beginning on Thursday night, but mainly beginning on Friday night. And among those is Wisconsin against Western Kentucky. And in that, by the way, tomorrow on the show, Olivia Decker will join us. She is the sideline reporter for ESPN's coverage of the game Saturday or Friday night, rather, with Wisconsin against Western Kentucky. Olivia Harlan Decker. Married to Sam earlier this summer. Not J.J. Watt. The video that Sam That's right, that's right. Hey, fellas, what's up? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was uh, messaging back and forth with Olivia today. Oh, were you? And uh, we decided on Tuesday is the best time for her to join us on the show. But maybe that's to be one of our first questions about... Um, number one, Olivia Harlan Decker. Is that what we're going with? Well, it's Olivia Decker on the game report, you know, and, and her on Twitter. The football yeah, her, her Twitter says Olivia Harlan Decker. And we got to ask her, of course, about her uh, sister with that really funny, funny yeah. story yeah. at the wedding. Yeah. All good stuff. So she'll join us tomorrow on the program. It's a little bit of our Badgers Beauty and the Beast tomorrow. Olivia Decker Explain. joins us. And okay. then Jeff Patrikas. Oh, yep, yep, totally. You decide. And they're right. Aren't they like, when do we have them scheduled? I already Are they back to back? Yeah, Patricus, then Olivia Decker. Oh, so yeah. we're going to go the Beast and then the Beauty. Yeah. And you're Gaston? I don't know what I am. I don't know. And I'm the candlestick. Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. Uh, so we'll do that on the program tomorrow. Brewers have the day off today. This is the last non-Thursday day off for the Brewers in this regular season. They do play this Thursday. They begin a series in Cincinnati tomorrow. Uh, three games set against the Reds. They will follow that by going to the nation's capital for a three-game weekend set in D.C. After that, every Thursday is an off day. The Brewers have ten three-game series remaining. Ten three-game series remaining. John, the math on that? That's 30 games. 30 games left in this season. Now, Mike and I have an Ian's Pizza bet. Check out Ian's Pizza in Milwaukee and Madison. It's delicious. Uh, that they need to go 18-12 and 12 to get Mike and Ian's Pizza. Anything below 18 wins, I get an Ian's Pizza. But if they go 18 and 12, Mike, they're making the playoffs, most likely. If they go 17 and 13, I still feel pretty good about them making the playoffs. There are just certain things that have happened over and over, and I don't think this is unique to the Brewers. Heck, I'm sure every club who's in contention, their fan base will say, oh, we can't have this happen or this happen. It's it's the way it is, right? But we just notice it because we're paying attention to the Brewers, but... I get worried about a few things here and there. I get worried about decisions, sticking to the the strategy that you've employed all season long, and you know that gut feeling of do you leave somebody in, which they really don't do. I get nervous when I see Chase Anderson give up homers left and right, third most in Major League Baseball. I get nervous when I see the Brewers go these stretches where they just can't really do anything offensively. But here's the thing, right? Despite all those shortcomings that you feel that the Brewers may have, they're still having a really great season. And they're still winning games. And although they picked up a bunch of those early on in the year, you can't deny where they're at right now. Right? And so that's that's kind of like with every team out there right now. They all have their own little weaknesses. Yeah, and, and over the weekend, you would love for them to have taken all three against the Pirates. You would love for them to have taken all three against the Reds last week at Miller Park. Instead, they took four of the six. They went 4-2 and two against those two teams in the National League Central in the games at home. You know, I mean, the, 
yeah, five and one would have been better. But if the Brewers win two out of three in all of their series remaining, they'll be in the postseason. They might even win the division if they won two out of every three remaining. But the the Cubs have laid to rest some of the wonder in the National League Central. Some of it. It's not done. But for some of it, in the regular season divisional standings, the Cubs have uh, have gained some some ground. They've put some distance between themselves and the division. They lead by four over the Cardinals, five in the loss column. They lead by four and a half over the Brewers, six in the loss column. Now, the Cubs have still 33 games to play. The Brewers have 30 games to play. Cubs are home with the New York Mets beginning tonight. Well, we know what the Mets are. I think it's it's likely that the Cubs are going to win the division. I'm not going to say that they're going to because obviously that can change in a six-game series. But we're also talking about this earlier today on the rundown with Adias Pilch and Finkelman. It's amazing that I have so many sports references because so often we end up on a tangent about something else. Um, but I would say when you look at the six games against the Cubs, what's the minimum amount of games you feel the Brewers must win to have the division even be a storyline down the stretch of the season? Like I would think five. Like you, I think you can afford one slip up and that's probably it. Yeah, if you went four and two in the remaining six against against the Cubs, you only pick up one game. You only pick up one game. Is that the math? Yeah. And so, I mean, is it done for the division? No, but it likely is, unless you go on some huge run specifically against the Cubs in the head-to-head matchup. So, you know, I, I feel like for these final 30 games, it's kind of wild card for the most part. Or bust. Uh, let me correct the math. You would pick up two if you went four and two against the Cubs. Okay, I was a little confused there. So I thought it was up, two, but yeah. I trusted Mikey Baseball's yeah, yeah. math. So uh, right now, the Brewers are four and nine against the Cubs. They're also four and nine against the Pirates. Sadly, the Brewers have twelve of their remaining thirty games against those two teams that they are a collective eight and eighteen against. So, if you want to really kind of cut to the chase on this one. The Brewers are going to have to find their footing against the Cubs and the Pirates. They're going to have to reverse their fortune. They're going to have to maintain their fortune against the Reds. They get the Reds six more times. They're 9-4 and four against Cincinnati. So that has to continue. And they have to reverse their fortune against the Cubs and the Pirates, of which each they're 4-9 and nine against. So that part is simple. They play San Francisco three times. They're 3-1 and one against the Giants. They play Washington three times this coming weekend. They're 2-1 and one against the Nationals. They also play St. Louis in the final week of the season. They're 8-8 eight and eight against the Cardinals. They haven't played Detroit. They will. Three games to finish the season. So of the 30, let's say, John, of the 30 games, Milwaukee finds a way to win 16. That would get them to 89 wins. Does 89 get you in? 89 loses me and Ian's pizza bet. 89, I don't think gets you in. I do think you've got to hit 90, and I think 90 is going to be a real, I think that's going to be right on the edge. 90, I don't know if it gets you there. Maybe it gets you tied. Well, I mean, 89 is going to be dang close, right? Because then, if okay, if you get to 89, that means a team like, for example, well, let's just say Colorado, right? They're 71 and 59, so they've got 32 games remaining. So they would need to get to... Um. 90 wins, right? Yep. 
So they would have to go 19 and 13. They also have 30 games. 32. 32 games remaining. So they'd have to go 19 and 13. So, I mean, could they go 19 and 13? Well, sure they could, but the I Dodgers, mean, 89 it, seems like a pretty... Okay, so if I'm looking in the rearview mirror, I would look at the Dodgers. All right, well, let's do the Dodgers, man. The Matt. Dodgers, have play, they have 31 games remaining. they got 70 wins, so they, if they, they'd have to go... 20 uh, and 11. they have to go 20 and 11. I mean, is that going to happen? Sure, it could the happen. The Dodgers but, are the team eh, that could do that. 20 and 11. The, the Rockies would have to go... What did I say? I already forgot the math. 19 and something. 19 and 13. 19 and 13. And so, if you say the Brewers can get to eighty nine, I, I would still feel sixteen and fourteen gets you to eighty nine. If you're the Brewers, sixteen more wins gets you to eighty nine. They have thirty games remaining. So if they're just that two games over five hundred, one more win than going five hundred. And and the what the Phillies would have to go twenty and twelve. Yeah, I don't think the, Philly, the Phillies are not the team. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Team, I think, to keep your eye I'm on. I'm just saying, of those three teams yeah. behind them, those are the numbers. The Brewers have to go 16 and 14 to get to that. So if you say 89, I would say, uh, okay, I don't like it. I'd rather have 90 or 91, but I'll roll the dice with that. Yeah. I would. So, uh, again, of the teams that the Brewers have left on their schedule, their record against them is 30-32. and 32. It's really um, kind of augmented in a negative way by what they've done against the Cubs and the Pirates. They're 4-9 and nine against each. All right, so, and, and that is... I mean that is twelve of your eight of uh, twelve of your thirty games are against those two, so you know it's as simple as that flipping around and holding serve on what you've done with Cincinnati. If you did that, and you continue to hold serve on what you do against Cincinnati, that's taking four out of six against the Reds, four and two there. If you split your twelve games against the Pirates and the Cubs, and you went six and six there, that gets you ten. Of the um, ten of the seventeen wins you need, a lot of numbers going around right now. But I, I think I'm following. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So 10 you just, of 17. You, you need to win four out of six against the Reds. By the way, the Cubs would have to go. Uh, don't even to get to ninety wins. They just had it up. Oh, I forgot it. Fourteen and something. Yeah, yeah. It, the Cubs would have to have a slide. I don't see the Cubs having a slide. This listen. I we've talked all year long that the Cubs were the best team in the division. Who's denying that? I didn't. Four, I haven't denied it at any point this year. Fourteen and nineteen to get to ninety for the Cubs. Cubs are not going to get caught unless uh, somebody goes in. Unless the Brewers were to really deal the Cubs, beat them up. Yeah, if the Brewers beat the Cubs five out of six or all six times, that changes things. I don't see it. I don't see that. The Brewers' role here, and you know, I don't want to get me started. I don't want to get started on the wild card format. We'll get started when the Brewers you, make it going there. To, if the Brewers are going to make it, it's going to be almost certainly as a wild card. I'm, you're not cashing in on the division, but you're four and a half out with 30 to play against a team that's really good. You're six back in the loss column against a team that's really good. Now you play them six times, so the six in the loss column, you can control that 
if you got really hot against them. Three in Chicago. Three in Milwaukee beginning next week, a week from today. Okay, can you do one more math problem without confusing too many people? Give me the crazy, crazy scenario where they do what they're supposed to do against everybody else, but they just beat up the Cubs. What's the record then? Give me five against the Cubs and do whatever you're supposed to do against everybody else. Then how many wins are we talking over the final, what did we say, 30-some games the Brewers have left? 30 games. Give me five against the Cubs. That would be eight and four. So that would be 12 and six in those games against the Cubs and Pirates and Reds. And then you'd have uh, the other 12 games remaining. So that's 12 more wins. That would put you at 85. And then you'd have the other um, 12 games. To just find a way to to win five, five would get you five to nine. And seven, mm, okay. yeah. So do it. Uh, it gets a little crazy. It gets a little funky. And I don't like off days. Uh, I think it benefits the team, but I don't love off days. I love the. That's the one of the th- reasons I love a pennant race and the drama of baseball is that it unfolds every day. Uh, it will unfold only subtly today, where the Brewers are concerned because the Cubs are home with the Mets tonight. And I've kind of stopped watching the Cubs when they're playing somebody else because I just expect them to beat up on everybody else. And that's what they've done. They or just hit a home run. Did just one home run. What? You just well, expect the they, Cubs they to were, hit like one home run and win. They were in that, but they still won games when they were doing that, yeah. which was incredible. And now the offense has fully woken up, and they're going to get Chris Bryant back here. I think he's going out on a rehab deal. They're home with the Mets. Um, uh, the Cubs are, I mean, my guess here is the Cubs are going to go ahead and run away from the pack in the division and the Brewers are playing against the Cardinals and they're playing against Arizona and they're playing against Colorado and they're playing against the Dodgers for the wild card, two wild cards. And that'll be the the way that plays out. By the way, the postseason projections, MLB.com, John, your guess on the odds for the Brewers to be a postseason team as it sits now. Uh, are, you, are you giving me like three to ones and th- those types of odds? Percentage or? chance to win the division right now in the National League Central. Nine. Nine percent? Uh, it's 88.6% for the Cubs, 5.9% for the Cardinals, 5.4% for the Brewers. Shoot, I forgot about other teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. What about the wild card percentage? 70, 68. 55.7, 56% for the Cardinals, 53% for the Brewers. Yeah, more so confident the total there. percentage yeah. chance that the Brewers are in the postseason right now is 58.4%. Okay, sure. I'll buy that. I'll buy those numbers. Yeah. Although, like I said, those those teams behind Wisconsin have to really go on a hot stretch if the Badger, or the Badgers... If the Brewers are just like a, a couple of games above 500 throughout the rest of the season, that means those other guys have to pull off like 20 and 11 for the yeah, Dodgers, the, 19 and 13, I think it was, for the Rockies. Kind of the, the funky thing here is that the teams that the Brewers are directly competing for in the wild card, they don't play anymore. You know, Colorado, the L.A. Dodgers, Arizona. They'll play St. Louis the three times in St. Louis the final week of the season. Um, but that's it. Wild card... Contenders, the Brewers are five and two against Colorado, don't play again. Three and three against Philadelphia, don't play again. Three and four against the Dodgers, don't play again. Five and one against Arizona, and they're eight and eight against St. Louis. 
Those are the teams they're competing with, and they only play the Cardinals of those the rest of the way. All right, we t- we'll, uh, we'll jump from here into more football conversation as well. It is the opening week for the Wisconsin Badgers. They will play Friday night at Camp Randall. I got a couple of uh, emails that bugged me over the weekend. Can I share? Badger football related? Mm-hmm. Be- okay, yeah, let's get to those. All right, and uh, we'll get to your phone calls. 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. Statewide, this is the Mike Heller Show. I don't know if there's going to be a wrap this week. It might be a best of. Ah, well, we, you know, we do have a fairly busy week going on. Uh, we're going to step in and guest host the Rich Eisen show Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You're going to be with me Wednesday and Friday. Brady Papinga is going to guest host with me on Thursday and also next Monday on Labor Day. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, shoot, we've got uh, the debut editions of Badger Prime on Wednesday night on our statewide network after the Paul Christ radio show. And then on Friday, there just so happens to be a game at Camp oh, Randall. Um, the Badgers yeah, open Badger the season. That's right. football going on on Friday. Speaking <laughs> of Badger football, I had this uh, email to me over the weekend. And somebody, um, Charlie, said, I listened to your show on my ride home and thought yesterday was the last time. He sent the one day he sent it. He sent it on Friday, so he thought last Thursday might have been the last time, because uh, he said you stated you were avoiding any opinion on the Quintess Cephas case. Interesting. Okay. Just after you completed that explicit statement about not making any, any opinions on the case, taking it off the table for your show, you immediately offered two opinions: one that the UW is handling it the right way. Uh, Is that an opinion? Um, Listen, they waited until uh, charges were filed or not filed. The DA's office had that in their hands. They were going to make that determination. And as soon as charges were slated to be filed, they suspended Quintess Cephas indefinitely. All right. I'm going to come to your defense. And I didn't listen. I did listen to a little bit. Not all of it. uh, The show on Thursday. I did tune in on iHeartRadio for a little bit on a bus to Minneapolis. But this guy is I can already see a difference in, in what you said and what he's saying. Like he's saying you didn't offer, you won't offer an opinion on the case. two opinions. One, that the but, UW but, is handling it the right way. But that is not, you said you wouldn't offer opinion, you said this from the start, on the case itself. Yes. This is not an opinion on the case. This is an opinion on the handling of the case, and I think there's a difference. So right off the bat, I think this emailer kind of misses the point. You're saying I am not going to talk about specifics of the case and my opinion on what I think is going on within said case. Right. Correct? Yeah. But having an opinion on how things are being handled from the football side of things is different than what's actually happening Correct. in the legal case. So that's that's like that's the entire point. Don't agree now with listen, him, there are okay. there are opinions that can be offered on what happened at Michigan State and opinions that can be offered on what happened at Maryland, opinions that can be offered on what happened at Ohio State. Because those situations have played themselves out. How did the university handle it? How did the coaching staff handle it? 
Those situations have played out. The opinion on this case, there's no opinion to be had on this. I don't know any more than you know, and if you have an opinion based on this right now, I think that you're doing yourself a disservice. Don't the accused and the accusers each have rights? And shouldn't that play itself out before you ultimately come to a decision? These are the problems that we encounter when we, uh, when we jump to conclusions too early. Before we know all the stuff. Is that there is guilty in the court of public opinion. That's what Charlie wants me to do. Charlie wants me to, de- to declare some sense of guilt or innocence for the UW and the people involved. Are you kidding me, Charlie? If that's the kind of radio you want, I suggest you find it somewhere else. Because you're not going to get that here, not where Wisconsin is concerned, not where the vast majority of the conversations that we have about sports that involve a legal matter. You're not going to hear me going down that rabbit hole until or unless we know more information. So... If you're disappointed that I didn't offer a sizzling opinion on what's going on in the court case that hasn't gone to court yet, then you should change the channel. You should find that somewhere else. My guess is that even most of our competition here is not silly enough to go down that rabbit hole. So that bothers me a little bit. I Listen... I don't typically, sometimes we do on Twitter, but I don't typically respond to a very um, vocal, very much in the minority, which is what I think Charlie is on this front, very much in the minority. This is not a hot take conversation. Just isn't. This isn't about third down in the big game. Yeah, it's not hot take where uh, I can't believe he didn't run the ball. Or, Mike, I can't believe you think Hornybrook is a great quarterback. Look right, what he right, did. Right. That's hot take. Or Aaron Rodgers is needs to do this this season. Or Aaron Rodgers isn't as good as we... Yeah. My yeah. goodness, we're talking, about, we're, we're talking about a legal case. You know? Talking about like life altering real life stuff. Yeah, we, I mean, do you understand that the I think the uh, the felony charges could uh, maximize out at more than forty years in prison? What you want me to hot take that? Come on, Charlie. I'm sorry. He said no opinion, but then you gave opinion. What else did he say? The he second said, opinion. You he gave? said you immediately offered two opinions: one that the UW is handling <laughs> it the right way, and two that Davis's suspension, uh, Danny Davis's suspension, was warranted. Um, I don't know exactly what my rewarding was on the Danny Davis deal, but there are no legal charges pending on Danny Davis that Wisconsin's football program and Paul Christ issued a two-game suspension to Danny Davis for being in the apartment and allegedly taking a picture that never made its way into social media and by all accounts, I guess, was erased. If uh, If that is deemed to be, I mean, to me, that would be deemed to be an appropriate deal. There's no legal case pending on Danny Davis. So in that regard, I believe at this point, I, the opinion that I offered that I thought that that suspension was warranted. And again, I'd have to go check my exact wording on it. I don't think that's a hot take opinion either. And it's not a pending legal case. He said, those are facts, Mike, or those were not facts, Mike. Those were opinions. Okay, well, all right. 
that's as far as I was going to take it. And if you consider those to be opinions, okay, you got me. I mean, I feel bad. I mean, he's entitled to not want to listen to the show if we don't want to talk about the court, the court case. That's fine. Charlie, I'll give you other radio Man. stations that you could uh, that you could find. I'm not sure how many people in the state are, but I'm not saying there aren't, but I'm not sure how many are. So, oh well. Anyways, is there I, another email that it, got you fired up? You no, said emails. Was it, it was were, just that, that one. That was the email, and then there were tweets on people last week who were um, waiting for an opinion. And how come you're not digging into this one? And because there wasn't anything to dig into, we're not jumping. And by the way, it's not that. also like Deflate Gate or something, where there are rumors about what's happening to Deflate Gate, and that's. And it's not like a, I said, and it's the, not Ohio Tom Brady's State. not going to jail. Yeah. Or Tom Brady and the didn't. Ohio State story had mainly played itself out. Most of the conversation was dating back to 2015. It was three years ago. And it was most of it was public record that continues to be dug up on. Uh, but there's no pending legal case on Urban Meyer either. And, and yeah, There and is pro- a pending legal situation for Zach Smith the former assistant coach that was front and center. But those stories for, were from 2009 and 2015. I think it's important to note, too, the conversation isn't um, what you thought. I mean, some of it might have been about Zach Smith and Courtney Smith, Smith specifically, but it was about the handling of Zach Smith. Correct. So that's that's even different in itself, right? And not, it's like the and handling. Not current. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah. I mean, not and three not, years ago. Not currently in 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 process. Mm-hmm. How is Ohio State handling? It's how they handled it. How did the head coach handle it? How did the athletic director handle it? All past tense stuff. So not current. And it, what, now, once will, again, the, will yeah. there be a, will there be conversation about I see how this was handled? Yeah. Maybe three months from now, six months from now, maybe, depending on what additional information comes out with the Wisconsin situation. But there isn't anything to offer strong, sizzling hot takes about right now. So, anyway, um, listen, I, I don't like getting bogged down on uh, a minor, you know, a very small percentage of of people that might be disappointed. Did you or email that guy back? I didn't. Um, I you can be nice about it. I mean, you can yeah, have could, a could conversation be, I, I could, about it. Yeah. Well, it was, was name this calling? Nice? Yeah. Yeah. That was that was you passionately explaining. You can still explain an email, just short and concise. Hey, I don't wish well, to talk. In case Charlie doesn't listen to the show anymore, you mean? Yeah. I was to say I feel differently. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that has anything to do with the other. You know, some of his critiques. But are you just leave it alone? You already addressed it. Maybe just send him the podcast. Oh yeah, I could do that. A link. So a I was going to write an email, but today. here's what I said. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. And, and Pat tweeted in, appreciate and agree with your perspective on the legal issues. Too bad your political news brethren don't take the same approach. Well, politics is um, a far different animal on this front because it's all done with an agenda, isn't it? See, that's the thing. I'm not going at this with an agenda. In political news talk, 
There is always an agenda. When the guy asked Tiger Woods about his relationship with Donald Trump, there was an agenda. There was a story he wanted to write, and however Tiger answered the question would still be included in the story. He had decided in advance, this is going to be a story. And it, and it is, slash was. And maybe he was hoping that Tiger would take his Tiger-like stance and play yeah. it right down the middle of the fairway, he right? He and, was trying yeah. to bait that uh, conversation into something that could be more uh, salacious from the story Then the conversation standpoint. is, should Tiger take more of a stance, too? That's well, part that's of the play. Yep. critique or criticism. Or... All right. Hmm. Uh, 877-729-1070 is the phone number. You can call us. And we'll come back talk more about what this week is for Badger football, what this week is for the Green Bay Packers. Couldn't be more opposite, and yet in some ways the same. I'll explain that. You're listening statewide to the Mike Hellers. Back in with you on the Mike Heller Show. I said before we took a break that couldn't be more opposite as far as the weeks are concerned with the Green Bay Packers and the Wisconsin Badgers. Both will play this week. The Packers play Thursday night in Kansas City. But that is really just to determine roster spots. You're not going to see frontline players uh, just, you know, other than some depth issues where they've got to play some starters in there. You're just not going to see it on Thursday night. And it doesn't matter. It matters for the roster, for those players that are on the bottom half of what might be their active, and then the cut roster. So it has great significance. Within the walls of Lambeau Field, those coaches, those players, the ones who aren't assured of a spot, that's a big deal. That is a significant deal on Thursday. There is a lot at stake. But unless you're into the minutiae of who is and who isn't on the roster, and there's some that are very interesting. Uh, the rest of it is not really at play. So in that regard, there's nothing to really watch for on Thursday. Where the Badgers are concerned, the game counts. But let's be honest. What's really at stake on Friday night? It's a chance to see them. It's your chance to wet your appetite, quench the thirst of seeing college football and your fourth-ranked Wisconsin Badgers in the AP preseason, your fourth-ranked Wisconsin Badgers to play a game. There is no game that doesn't matter for them. They're going to play Western Kentucky. The game will kick at 8 o'clock on Friday night. And that's fun. Now, it shouldn't be worth a ton in the second half. That's the, that's the goal. That's the hope. But what a great atmosphere. I mean, it, Camp Randall is always a blast. It should be great. A night game to open Labor Day weekend. It frees up the rest of the weekend for you. Should be fantastic. 130th year of Badger football. Five All-Americans from the 2017 team. 22 straight home openers that the Badgers have won. So it's all good. I mean, that part is good. Uh, and just the reminder that it is Western Kentucky. And that's followed up by a week from Saturday with New Mexico. And then two weeks from Saturday, BYU 
That's a 2.30 game. Next Saturday's 11 a.m. So 8 o'clock Friday night, 11 a.m. Saturday, and the following Saturday, first three games all at home, that following Saturday against BYU, September 15th, is a 2.30 kick. Then it begins. Then you go to Iowa, game time not, not yet decided, a bye week, and Nebraska comes here. The week after that, you go to Michigan. That three-game schedule to open the Big Ten, September, 20, or September 22nd, October 6th, October 13th, at Iowa, home Nebraska, at Michigan. That's when it all gets going. And that's, you know, a little less than a month away. That's fun. I guess the question for this weekend, since it is Western Kentucky, and most Badger fans, you know, expect to have a fun Friday night filled with celebration. What is it out of game one that we should expect from Wisconsin? I mean, shouldn't we just expect a total domination? I mean, shouldn't we expect like 45 to yeah, I mean, I, I, eventually, I think that's what it's going to end up being. It'll be, it should be one of those. But Western Kentucky is, you know, I mean, I mean, if Alex Hornibrook goes out there it and to be seventy-three to, I would to think three. so. No, I, like I said, a 45-10, I think is something that most Badger fans would be a reasonable yeah. expectation. And so, then the other thing with Alex Hornibrook, like that's you know a, a player that a lot of people are watching for. Like you would hope that he has like an efficient type of game. Doesn't have to be gaudy numbers because who knows how you get those points. But I would think something with zero picks. Like if he throws a pick, depending on how it happens. Yeah, that's like don't those type of, of expectations. Yep, you that's know? exactly what you want to see. You want to see efficiency. You want to see uh, explosiveness in the offense. You want to see Alex Hornibrook be good. You're probably going to see Jack Cohn in the game. He is the uh, number two quarterback on the depth chart. You want to see Jonathan Taylor. I mean, not that this is paramount, but he is your Heisman Trophy, trophy hopeful. So you want to see him get off to a good start by playing in the first half. And you want to see Garrett Groshek and Chris James and Taiwan Deal and the depth at the running back position. You want to see Kendrick Pryor and A.J. Taylor as the wideouts pick up for not having available Quintez Cephas, for not having Danny Davis available. You want to see how the new names that you don't know defensively Matt Henningsen, Caden Lyles. You want to see how Zach Bond, finally we get to see him full-time. You want to see Caesar Williams and Dakota Dixon and Scott Nelson and Fyan Dix in the, Hicks in the secondary. Because these are guys, other than Dakota Dixon, that you're not familiar with. Here's the two deep at corners and safety. And you're likely, other than uh, those who are deeper into the mix, you likely only know one name. That's Dakota Dixon. The other, the two deep at one corner, Caesar Williams and Dante Carrier-Williams. At the other corner, Fion Hicks and Madison Cohn. At the safeties, Dakota Dixon and Reggie Pearson. The other safety, Scott Nelson and Eric Burrell. Those are names other than Dakota Dixon that most of you aren't very familiar with. So there are, you know, those are the things you want to see. How do these guys hold up? That linebacking core is significant and names you know in T.J. Edwards and Chris Orr and Andrew Van Ginkle. I mean, you know the linebackers, but you want you want to be, in, and Ryan Connolly, you want to be more deeply introduced to Zach Mon, Tyler Johnson to step up and continue to do stuff that we saw him do. Christian Bell, sophomore, who the name you might not be that familiar with. Those are the elements. Those are the things that you look for a little bit on Friday night. But eventually, you're going to want to see Wisconsin roll up 
more significant numbers and pull away. They don't think that way in that. I mean, they do think that way inside the the locker room as well, uh, but they don't view it the way we do. So it's just it's just a different view. And Thursday is a depth and who's going to make the roster for the Packers. That's it. There's no front line. Friday is a front line, and then you want to see efficiency, and then the depth play itself out for Wisconsin football. And it should be, I mean, that should be a fun atmosphere. Um, with students move-in dates coming up and being on campus, and it should be a, a fun fun Friday night at Camp Randall. I know that you know we didn't get in the discussion. I imagine it might rear its ugly head about whether they should or shouldn't be playing on Friday night. Um, there's a conversation that's been had and will likely be had again as we get later into this week. But there's a little piece of that. And, you know, where you're concerned and, and as far as the pennant races and Major League Baseball is concerned, for the Brewers, you know, tonight's an off night. So what do you look at tonight? You simply look at one other game that has some some interest for the pennant chase, the division race. That's the Cubs home against the New York Mets. That game's seven oh five. The Mets are rotten. So how much influence, how much care do you have? Colorado plays late tonight, 9 o'clock, at the Los Angeles Angels. Arizona is on the coast late tonight at San Francisco. It's not too early to scoreboard watch. All of these teams have 30, 31, or 32 games remaining in their season. So they all become important. Philadelphia is on the... uh, on the edges of the uh, the wild card race, they're home tonight with Washington. So there are four games that have some interest in scoreboard watching for the Brewers. But the Brewers have their last non-Thursday off day of the year. They'll play every day the rest of the year except for Thursdays. They'll play this Thursday. But uh, they have an off day today in Cincinnati. What have they done against the Reds? They've got six games remaining against the Reds. Three that begin tomorrow night in Cincinnati. The Brewers are nine and four against the Reds. After that, they go to Washington. They're two and one against the Nationals. Then they come home with the Cubs. They are four and nine against the Cubs. After the Cubs come in, the Brewers will welcome in San Francisco. And that's another team that they've had success. They're three and one against the Giants. But they do have Pittsburgh remaining with six games. And six with the Cubs. And against both of those, the Brewers are four and nine. So how do they how does the math all get there? We've talked about it throughout the show today. The Brewers are gonna have to reverse fortune against the Pirates and Cubs. Somehow find a way in those dozen games to have a winning record or no worse than five hundred. They're gonna have to continue to do their work against Cincinnati, who they're nine and four against. They're going to have to do work against San Francisco. They've won three of four against the Giants. They get them for three. They've got 10 three-game series left. 15 games at home, 15 games on the road, 21 of them against division rivals. Now, it'd go a long way into determining what the Brewers are when it's all said and done in how they do in the six against Cincinnati, the six against Chicago, and the six against the Pirates. That's 18 of the 30. How do you do in those 18 games? It'll go a long way into kind of figuring out what this team is all said and done when you get into the wild card finish. And I do think it's all about the wild card. Haven't totally cashed out on the division, but let's be honest. The Cubs were the best 
team when the season began. The Cubs are the best team now. From a winning the division perspective, MLB.com, the Cubs are an 89% chance to win the division. They're a 98.9% chance to make the postseason. The Cubs are going to win the division unless something catastrophic happens on Chicago's north side. Wouldn't that be fun? Something terrible happened, wouldn't that be a blast? So, I mean, and, and I don't think it's going to. It's, it's a roster that's really good. Pitching has been the, the one that you would wonder about there. And then they get Cole Hamels, and Cole Hamels shows up uh, as the old Cole Hamels, not the current Cole Hamels. And then they have so many position players that can hit, they don't have room for all of them. I mean, they, they, have, a, a, they have a wealth of great hitters. With Daniel Murphy and Bodie, and now um, Rizzo was the National League Player of the Week. Chris Bryant is going on a rehab assignment, and then he'll be ready to go. They've just got hitter on hitter on hitter. So uh, it's uh, said, as least as we understand it, Chris Bryant will spend uh, at least a couple of days at AAA as he completes a rehab on his left shoulder. The Cubs know no hurry to bring him back, not with Daniel Murphy and not with Bodie. But when he gets back, and if he is back the way Chris Bryant can be, look out. Cubs might just get hot enough at the right time to make it an ugly September and October for Brewers fans that really don't like the Cubs. Most of you. But what if the Cardinals sink, too? The Cardinals, wouldn't that be fantastic? The Brewers only get St. Louis three more times. That's in the last week of the season. But the Cardinals and Cubs Because they're kind of due to go back down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if water finds its level, you would think that they would have some regression. But the Cardinals and Cubs will play each other, I think, six times down the stretch. There you go. There you go. Beat them up. Beat up each other. Uh, we'll be back in tomorrow after three. Thanks for being here statewide and listening to The Mike Heller Show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.